Good morning. I have to say, I love this church. I love you guys. I am so grateful for you. I don't know how I would have ever gotten through this season of my life without the greatest people in the universe. For those of you who don't know, my husband went to be with the Lord seven months ago, and so... um, It's a long story, but two years ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me through a series of events and made it clear to me that I was going to be the pastor of the church, which to me was a horrendous idea. And I thought, well, if this is really the Lord speaking to me, then he's going to make it happen. And exactly one year later, my husband came to me and said, I really believe the Lord is saying that you're supposed to be the pastor of this church. So as of January 1st this year, I became the, the lead pastor, and he was the co-pastor. And then six weeks later, he passed. He went to be with the Lord. And um, you guys have blessed me so much, and I am so grateful. And just want to ask you to keep praying for me and for my family, because it's... I told somebody earlier that my morning hasn't quite turned to dancing yet. But my hope is in the Lord all day long. Amen? Amen. So this morning, I don't know how many of you watch the news or listen to the news. You can admit it. I'm not going to judge you. Okay. I kind of am a little bit of a news junkie. How many of you would agree with me that this is one crazy, stinking world? What a crazy world. You don't even really have to watch the news to kind of get that, right? This is a crazy, crazy world. And today what I want to talk about is how we should look different than the crazy people. I think sometimes Christians get that reputation for being crazy. We should should get the reputation for being crazy in love with Jesus, but not to the point of being crazy as in, like, that's super weird. Like, you know what I'm saying? We are the aroma of Christ. I talked about that last week. Um, I'm going to share a couple of really weird stories with you. And today's message, I had, I had some, oops, I had some uh, little cutesy little titles, like one of them was The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and then one of them was um, The Do's and Don'ts of Christianity. But I think today, this title, Becoming Like Jesus, is really, it kind of includes this, what this message is and what the heart of the message is. Because, you know, some people said that Jesus was crazy, but those were the people that were opposed to him. To the other people that he was drawing and wooing to himself, he was the hope of all creation. He was the hope of salvation. He was the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Lords. So I'm going to read you a couple of crazy stories. I think you'll agree with me. Um, First one, a Chinese man divorced and then sued his ex-wife for giving birth to what he called an extremely ugly baby girl. Did you hear me? He divorced and then sued his wife for giving birth to an extremely ugly baby girl. Now, initially, Jian Fang accused his wife of infidelity because he was certain that he could never be the father of such an ugly child. When the DNA... DNA test proved that the baby was his. Feng's wife came clean on a little secret. Before they had met, she had undergone about $100,000 worth of cosmetic surgery in South Korea. Feng filed for divorce and sued his wife on the grounds of false pretenses for not telling him about the plastic surgery and in duping him into thinking that she actually was beautiful. The kicker? He won. He won this lawsuit. The judge agreed with Feng's argument and ordered that his ex-wife pay him $120,000. Feng said, I married my wife out of love, but as soon as we had our first daughter, we began to have marital issues. Do you really believe that? He says, our daughter was incredibly ugly to the point where it horrified me. Is that crazy? Is it just me or is that crazy? So sad. 
The second story, a tattoo artist named Ryan Fitzgerald is facing a $100,000 lawsuit after giving his ex-girlfriend a steaming pile of poo tattooed on her back. Rossi claims that Ryan was supposed to tattoo a scene from the Chronicles of Narnia on her back, but when Ryan found out that his girlfriend had cheated on him with his best friend, he retaliated with this tattoo. Rossi did not know what he was really drawing on her back until it was finished. Can you imagine? You're like, oh, it's the Chronicles of Narnia. Ah! (laughs) It's the poo emoji. Anyway... Is that crazy? Crazy stuff. You know, you don't have to read the news for long to, to find a lot of crazy stories like this. But not just the crazy stories like this, but the tragic stories. Like what's happening in South Carolina and a lot of the riots and the violence, the gender confusion and the political issues. And if you look at our two candidates... I don't know what other word you could think of, but crazy. (laughs) I'm not political, but it's crazy. But throughout the centuries, life has been crazy. You know, and, and the Lord has specifically designed us to go against the flow, to go against the flow of crazy and to be ambassadors for Christ that we could be the people that hold out the word of truth and to offer hope to a hopeless generation. And we are living in a very hopeless place. It's a very dark and very hopeless place. And we'll talk about this a little later. But before I get started, um, I'd just like to ask that you pray with me and for me. Um, It is in our weakness that God's power is made perfect. So... Heavenly Father, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for your goodness. Lord, I'm so thankful that you are a God of hope. And hope does not disappoint us, Lord. I'm so grateful that you poured your Holy Spirit into our hearts. I'm so grateful that you've given us the ability to respond to your love. Lord, this morning, I I just invite your presence. I invite you to speak, Lord, despite what I say. Speak, Lord. We are your servants. Father, we're listening, and we want to be changed in your presence. We want to be transformed into your image. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth today. Bring change. Change us, Lord. Make us more like you. And we bless you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So becoming like Jesus. I'd like to ask if you would read this together with me, Ephesians 4, 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Sounds like he's talking about our generation, doesn't it? Sounds like he's talking about um, everything that you see on TV or movies right? We are living in a very dark world and there's so much confusion. It says in verse 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this. So because of the Lord's authority, it's possible for us to do this. It says, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. It just reminds me of in Psalm Chapter one, it says, blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The reason we don't walk in the counsel of the world is because everything is the opposite of the things of God. They're confused. There's so much confusion. And we are not to live confused because we serve the Prince of Peace. It says, God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. 
And how can we know this God of peace? Well, today we're going to discover how to do that. And if you've never met him, I just want to encourage you to open your heart because he wants to change. He wants to change all of us. He's in the business of doing that. He's the great physician. He understands that we're sick. He understands that we have need. It says that he knows that we're helpless and hopeless without him. Darkness, Ephesians 8, uh, 4.18 says, their minds, it's talking, about, it's talking about Gentiles, which really just means those who don't know the Lord. I know that Gentile has a different terminology here and probably in Israel, but here, when it's talking about the context here, it is talking about those who don't know the Lord, who don't have a personal relationship with him. Uh, verse 18 says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. We see that all over the place, don't we? Closed minds. Remember I said last week, you can talk about God, but don't ever mention the name of Jesus. That name that is above every name. At that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And that doesn't mean just like he's a Lord, like there's a bunch of different Lords. He is Lord. He is God. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth who humbled himself and came to earth. He stooped down and became like us with one exception. He never sinned. He never sinned. You know, the, the darkness, the whole principle of darkness means that you can't see. I just, I stayed up in a place in Park City and I was in the basement. And you know, they say that in the middle of the night, if you wake up, you should not turn on the lights because then when light hits your retina, and I, I could be totally off on this, so I think I've heard this before though. So, but if, the, if light hits your retina, then your body stops making melatonin. And so then you won't be able to go back to sleep. Anybody vouch for this? Any? medical doctors. Okay. Anyway, so I don't turn on the lights. Well, I was staying in this strange place in the basement and it was dark. There were no windows. And I literally, I was like, stumbling like that. But that's a picture of what it's like to be in the world. It says in Proverbs, it says they stumble about not knowing what makes them stumble. It's because they can't see, because the true light hasn't come into their lives. So it's saying these people that don't know, the they're walking about in darkness. And even if on the outside they look like us, kind of, if they don't know the true light that has come into the world, they are stumbling about in the darkness. And it says in verse 19, they have no sense of shame. It says they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Is that not the case? Is that not the case? They live for lustful pleasure. They have no shame. There's a scripture that says their glory is in their shame. They don't feel guilty about anything. And I can tell you, I can vouch for this. Before I came to the Lord, there were, there were things that I, that I did that were absolutely just devious and horrible and I didn't feel any sense of shame. I just justified it. And it says that they, they live for lustful pleasure and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. We see that all the time. We see evidence of that all the time. But we're called to be different. We are called to be children of the light. And we are called to put on a new nature. Would you read this with me? Ephesians 4.20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. First of all, it says to take off your sinful nature. Now, it seems to me that a lot of people just think that the process of being born again, which again, Jesus says in John chapter three, if you've ever wondered where the term born again Christian comes from, it's, that's 
redundant, by the way. But anyway, but this guy comes in and he says, hey, so what do I need to do? And Jesus says, well, you, you must be born again in order to see the kingdom of heaven. The guy's like, well, that's, what does that mean? And Jesus basically says, you need to be born of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus said that he would send his spirit who would teach us and lead us into all truth and comfort us and guide us and give us direction. And unless you have been born of the spirit of God, you are not going to be able to see the things of God. It says that they're spiritually discerned. But we can put off that old nature, which is the old patterns of thinking, old habits. Um, the, you know, it's like I've heard that, that psychologically that there are like ruts that are built into your brain with negative thinking critical thoughts, judgments, all of these things, that old way that we used to think. It says we're supposed to put off that sinful nature. I don't know about you, but how many of you have ever um, made yourself sick because you were so stinky from like coming home from the gym or from, you know, you, you have those old clothes on, you go to the gym and you work up a sweat and then you're like, oh, I can't wait to shower and take this off. That's how we should feel about these old patterns these old habits, the, the things that have borne themselves into our brain. It is possible because remember he said, with the Lord's authority I say this. Put off that old nature. Don't be like you used to be. But guess what? You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. You can't just decide that you're going to be a better person. Believe me, I tried that many times before I became a Christian. I just was going to stop smoking weed I'm just going to stop. And then I'd stop for like two or three days. I'm like, see, I'm not addicted. And then I'd start again. Or I thought, anyway, I won't go into any more of that, but (laughs) I'll stop there, (laughs) putting off my sinful nature. It's saying that since you've heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off the sinful nature. Like, get those stinky clothes off. Get them in the laundry. Put on a new set of clothes. Or how many of you, like, you go out and you're all muddy? You've been working out in your backyard or whatever, and you're just totally muddy. You're just like, ugh, just can't wait to take these gross clothes off and put on some nice clean clothes, right? And it says that we can renew our minds. It says renew your mind, verse 23. Instead, instead of the old way of thinking and all of that, the former way of life corrupted by lust and deception, it says... Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. It says, put on your new nature. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, this sounds like a tall order. And if we had to do it on our own, it would be impossible. But, you know, I can remember when I first, I I had the privilege of leading Eric my husband, to Christ. And I can remember so many people would come up to him and say, you look different. There is something so different about you. What happened to you? And I can remember one time I was uh, playing piano. I, when I first moved out to the Silicon Valley, I started working in a bar and uh, at the Hilton, and there was this one really tough bartender there, and um, she, she scared everybody. And... Uh, I ended up seeing her after I became a Christian a few months later, and she came up to me and she goes, you look so different. Did you change your hair? I'm like, no. Did you, have, you, have you lost weight? What is it? You just look so different. I was talking to a, a friend of mine last night, and she was sharing her story with me of how she became born again. And she said that people would look at her and go, what happened to you? You look so different. That's how we should look to a dark world. We should look different. We shouldn't look just like the world looks. We should put on our new nature. It says we were created to be like God. You know the whole, you remember the whole phase, what would Jesus do? Remember that? You know, it doesn't matter If you, like I said, you can't change yourself. You can't just make this determination that you're going to change. You really need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the 
And the way to be filled with the Holy Spirit is, first of all, you have to know, what does it say in the Bible? You have to know God's word. You can't just deceive yourself into thinking you're just going to feel everything right. Because the Bible says, my flesh and my heart will fail me. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It is only through knowing his word. And I'm not talking about knowing like tons of scripture and then never applying it. That's not really knowing it. It's like you open up the Bible. How many times has this happened where you open up the Bible and you're like, when did God put this verse in there? Like, I have read this scripture 15,000 times and I have never seen this verse. And it applies exactly to your situation. Exactly. I'm telling you, I say this every week. You have to be in the word of God. It doesn't matter. For me personally, this might let some of you off the hook. I, I have a really hard time just sitting there reading Maybe I'm a little ADD, I don't know. I like to listen to the word of God. So if you have a hard time just sitting there reading because like you're making your grocery list or whatever, just get a Bible app and listen to it. I like to walk while I do it so that I don't get distracted. But I'm just telling you, God's word, the Bible, will change your life. I'm not just saying this. And, And I'm telling you, all the forces of hell will try to keep you from reading the word. All of the forces of hell do not want you to know God's word because they don't want you to be free. But that's what we're called to. We're called to freedom. We're called to put on a new nature and to be righteous and holy. There's a pastor named Adrian Rogers, and he says, quote, a telephone pole doesn't smoke or drink or tell lies, but it's nothing like Jesus. Elimination doesn't deal with the root, just like pruning a tree doesn't change its nature. He goes on to say that you can't just eliminate stuff from your life and become like Jesus. You can't just imitate Jesus and really become like him. You can't just determine that you're going to be like Jesus. You need to be filled. You need to have your mind renewed by being filled with his Holy Spirit. Amen? Talks about this in Galatians 5. Talks about the fruit of the Spirit. What is a fruit of the Spirit? There are nine of them. Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah, I mix those two up. The Bible scholars in the front row. (laughs) But how many of you are convicted at any point during that? Are you always loving? Are you always filled with joy? Are you always kind? Do you always have peace? Are you always patient? Do any of you drive? goodness, faithfulness. And this isn't talking about faithfulness as in, you know, well, Ernie comes to work every day faithfully at 5.30. It's talking about faith as in I believe in God. I believe God is going to get the glory. And gentleness and self-control. It says against such things there is no law. You can't go wrong doing those things. And as you are shining as a light in your neighborhood or your place of work or even in your own home, you can draw people with these. If you're filled with the Spirit, people are going to be drawn unto the Lord because we should look different. We should put, take off that old nature and put on Christ and become like him. We should look like him. These are the don'ts. I was telling Ira earlier, this is the easiest passage to teach because it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, you don't need to go like super far in depth. Like, okay, for example, let's start reading it together. You'll see what I'm saying. Ephesians 4.25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. 
Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Seems pretty, pretty obvious, doesn't it? Anybody convicted yet? Just a couple of you, good. First one, lies. Ephesians 5, uh, 4.25, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. So, here's an example. I'm not, this isn't just talking about the big lies, you know, the really big ones. This is talking about things like if someone asks you, how are you? Fine. I'm fine. (laughs) Right? If you're not fine, don't lie. Don't lie, girl. Seriously, don't. We are all members of the same body. You see, the thing is, if someone asks you how you are and you go, fine, and you're not fine, you're a wreck, just tell people, say, I'm kind of a wreck today. Because you know why? We're all members of the same body. God wants someone else to be able to come alongside you and minister to you and love you and reach out to you and pray for you. It's not so that they can have this information about you so they can use it against you. It's so that you can, you can understand more of God's mercy for you. Don't rob other people of the opportunity to be able to minister life to you. Okay? So stop telling lies. Okay? Can you tell the person sitting next to you to stop telling lies? A lot of bruised ribs today. (laughs) The second one. I I know none of you are going to struggle with this, but 26. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why? What does anger do? What? Are you kidding me? Anger gives a foothold to the devil. Who wants to give a foothold to the devil? And you know what that means? Like a foothold, like he's like, grabs your foot so you can't go anywhere. Who wants that? Who wants to be angry? Like, no, don't. Stop it. Well, somebody back there wants to be angry. You know, because sometimes we do want to justify it, right? So let's talk. This is the interactive part here. What are some causes for anger? Can anybody give me any idea? Why do we get angry? Why do we get so angry? Children. Children. Okay. There's a deeper, deeper root. (laughs) Children. (laughs) Why do we get angry? Because our kids do what? They disobey. So what does that do? That frustrates us, right? What, why else? Why do we get angry? We sense something's unjust. We didn't get our rights. Disappointment. What else? I'm sorry? Politics? Is that what he said? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, injustice and disappointment right there. Why else? Why do we get angry? Unmet expectations. You know what it really boils down to? Why we really get angry? Number one, because we have a lot of pride. And number two, because we're out of control. If we don't get our own way and we don't have control, that's why we get frustrated and angry and upset. Pretty much that's what it comes down to, pride and control. So if you struggle with anger, let me just encourage you, let the Holy Spirit get to the root of that in your heart. Because anger is really a symptom, and that's why the Bible is so clear. Don't let, or don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let anger be your motivating force. Don't intimidate people with your anger. Don't use anger as a manipulative tool. It says don't, which means 
don't. <laughs> doesn't get much deeper than that. Don't. Just don't. And I'm telling you, if, if there's something, if, you, if you're having struggles and you just can't seem to get over it, first of all, again, know the word of God and trust that God wants to transform you by the renewing of your mind. And, but there are some issues that are seemingly too big. And we do have a counselor on staff, and he, he has a master's degree in pastoral counseling, and he is willing to help walk you through some, some of your issues if it's just too much for you to deal with. We used to have a saying, go to the throne before you go to the phone. <laughs> you know, so in other words... Look to God for your deliverance. Look to God for your healing. But if there are some stumbling blocks and you just keep coming up against it, we do have people that are willing to walk with you through it. (laughs) Stealing. (laughs) Verse 28. If you're a thief, what are you supposed to do? Duh. Use your, instead, here's another instead. Use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Sometimes when I talk about my former life, um, it's kind of like I'm talking about a movie that I saw. Or it's like I'm talking about somebody that I'm really not connected with anymore. Um, I I used to be quite a kleptomaniac. For those of you who don't know what that means, it's somebody who steals incessantly. I would steal anything that wasn't nailed down. And some of those things, too. I, for example, I worked at a resort, and I really believed that I was being underpaid. And so I justified stealing to compensate my entitlement. So I stole shirts and liquor and cigarettes and cash and anything I could. And remember earlier on I was talking about having no sense of shame? I could totally justify it. Now you guys are all like, oh, I'm going to start leaving my purse in the car. (laughs) That was the old Jody. (laughs) But you know, the cool thing here is it says, instead of stealing, use your hands for what? And then give generously to others in need. I was the one that was super tight. I was a tightwad. You know, and God has totally transformed me. And now one of my favorite things to do is to give There is a freedom that comes in giving generously. You know, there is something so awesome. You know where Jesus says, it is better to give than to receive? It is so true. You are blessed if you give. And let me just say this. If you don't give to the Lord and to the work of the Lord, stop stealing. Stop stealing. He's very clear. He's very clear. If you give the first fruits, the rest will be blessed. But if you don't, what are the, what are the implications? If you are not generous toward the things of God, how can you expect him to provide for all of your needs? I'm not saying this for some agenda that I have. I'm saying this for your sake. And I'm going to talk to you about this in a couple of points down here, but God, you know, he is so good. God is so good. And unfortunately, we use the word good. Like you go, hey, so did you go to that new restaurant? How was it? It was good. That's not even in the same realm. The goodness of God is over overwhelming. It's overweening. It's beyond our comprehension. And everything he does for us is good. Everything. I'll tell you, you know, standing down here singing that song during worship, your best life now, I'm sitting there going, hmm, this is a tough one. It's hard for me right now going through what I'm going through to think this is my best life now. You know what I'm saying? Except that I know that God is good. I know that everything God does is for our good. 
everything he does, whether we can explain it or not, whether we like it or not, whether it seems evident to us or not, can you just believe that? Can you trust that he is in control? That nothing slips through his sovereign hand? Nothing. That everything he does is good. So, instead of stealing, trust God and be generous. Check it out. Try it. You know the old saying, you can never outgive God. It's true. It is legitimately true. And I could give you a list of people that I know would vouch for this. Number four, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Anybody convicted yet? No, just one, two. Awesome. Okay, let me ask you, let's put it this way. Is everything you say always good and beneficial and building up other people? Yeah. Wow. This seems really tough, doesn't it? Seems really hard to do this. And it is. Apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from God. It is impossible to do these things without the Lord. You really can't because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you've got some garbage going on in here, it's going to come out verbally. And you can change the way that you think because ultimately that's where sin is birthed, right? In our thoughts, right? Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement, so that your words will put courage into another person, so that you're not tearing someone down. You're not putting someone down, whether they're sitting in front of you or not. Don't gossip about people. Don't talk about people in a way that cuts them down. And if someone gossips to you, don't listen. Do not tolerate it because you become as guilty as the gossip. You can turn it around really fast. If someone starts to gossip to you, just say something kind about the person they're gossiping about. Just speak a blessing. It will stop that conversation. And if it doesn't, just say, you know what? I really don't... You can say it however, you know, whatever your choice of words, but let that person know that you're not a safe place for them to come and gossip. People will stop if you, if you take a stand and refuse to speak any words or take any words in that are not good and helpful or encouraging. Okay, uh, number five. Do not bring sorrow or grief to, the Holy, to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. When you wake up in the morning... You have got to understand that if you know the Lord, if you have a relationship with the Lord, you are not of this world. That you are other than this world. You are royalty. You are sons and daughters of the king of all kings. And if you wake up in the morning with that on your mind, you can face the day. And you can honor the Lord. You can wake up and say, I am a child of God. I am loved with an everlasting love. That is going to change the way that you live. It's going to change your thoughts. It's going to change your words. It's going to change your actions. But you kind of have to make that choice, don't you? If you wake up in the morning and you think, Like I have a few, you know, a few times in the last seven months. I mean, honestly, some days I wake up and I'm like, well, this sucks. I don't want to be a widow. It's not what I chose, right? But you know what? I am still a princess. Not in a stupid way. <laughs> like I'm not going to drive a pink Escalade or something. <laughs> No offense to Mary Kay. But you know what I'm saying? I'm a daughter of the king. My life is in his hands. He knows. He knew from before the foundations. He knew. 
He knew that he was going to take my husband to be with him and I was going to have to do this or get to do this. So when I wake up in the morning, I have to have that perspective or I'll fall apart. I couldn't get through the day if I didn't know that he was with me, if I didn't know that I was called by his name. I couldn't do it. He is near to the brokenhearted, and he has been so near, and I'm telling you, he wants to do the same thing for you. When you wake up in the morning, invite his presence. Don't let your heat, your, your heat fit the floor. No, the <laughs> feet hit the floor <laughs> without acknowledging him and acknowledging who you are in him. You know, our vision here at The Adventure is that people would know not only God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, but they would also know who they are in him. That people would be fully released in what they specifically specifically were created to do. You know, it says that he has called us by name, that before the foundations of the earth, he knew us. He knew exactly what we were created to do. And each one of us is unique. Each member of the body is unique. And our goal is to love God and to love the creator of the universe so much that we introduce people and draw people close to the one who created them so that they can become fully who they were made to be. Does that make sense? That's always been our vision from the very beginning. And so now that Eric isn't here, it's like maybe some people are thinking, oh, well, now Jody's going to have a whole new vision and now we're going to go reach the people in the circus. And, we're, you know, it's not like that. It's the same vision that you would become fully who God created you to be. Yeah, come on. It's okay. You know, when Eric, when Eric went to be with the Lord, I think, I think all of us had a sense of purpose. We all had that sense of, wow, this, is, this isn't the way I thought things were going to go. Right? You know, and I told the Lord last week, I said, not that the Lord owes me anything. The Lord owes me nothing. He's given me everything. He has given me eternal life. But I did say to him, Lord... If you're not going to do something amazing, the price was just too high. I don't want to live a life of futility. I don't think you do either. I don't think anybody sets out to go, well, I just want to get through life and die. I think we all have that sense that we were created for something greater. And that's our vision, is to help you discover that something greater. I'm going to be doing a class November 11th and 12th called Blueprint that will help you kind of discover who you were uniquely created to be. I just encourage you, if you've never taken it, or even if you have, to take that class and let us discover together your uniqueness, who God designed you to be. And the thing is that we can bring sorrow and grief to the Holy Spirit when we live other than how he's called us to live. It says he has identified us as his own. If you know him, you have been identified as his, guaranteeing that you'll be saved. I love this quote. Charles, Chuck, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, it says the Holy Spirit's grief is not of a petty, overly sensitive nature. He's grieved with us mainly for our own sakes, for he knows what misery sin will cost us. He reads our sorrows in our sins. He grieves over us because he sees how much chastisement we incur and how much communion we lose. Isn't that awesome? It's saying... God's not like, oh, I'm so offended they disobeyed. That's not how God is. His heart yearns for us to be blessed. He yearns for us to, to 
have everything, the fullness that he's promised us. That's his desire for us. So when we grieve him by our sins, whether it's sins of omission or commission, things we've done, things we have left undone, he knows that it's hurting us. And that's why he's sad. That's why he is grieved. Not because he's, he's just so sensitive that he just can't handle it when we don't obey. It's because he knows what is for our own good. That's why he's grieved. So we need to take out the trash. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of it. It's not saying, oh, you know, you can just vent your anger and you can just try to figure out why you're so upset. It's not like that. Get rid of it. So when I read this, to me, it's like we have a choice. We don't have to rage. Anybody convicted yet? Anybody have bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander? By the way, I hope... My words aren't too harsh now to you. I'm trying to bring you with passion the word of God for your own sake, for my sake, you know? I'm always worried that I'm being too harsh. I don't ever want to hurt you by my, um, just by my exuberance. (laughs) But I know this stuff to be true. I've lived it, and that's why I can say this. Get rid of your bitterness Get rid of your rage. What's the difference between rage and anger? Rage is an outworking and it's like out of control anger, throwing things and raging. Anger is more of a kind of an internal thing that squeaks out in other ways. All kinds of other ways, by the way. Harsh words. Again, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. Slander. We talked about that earlier. Don't slander. Don't speak any words. I remember when the Lord convicted me years ago of gossip because I grew up gossiping. It was, it was like a lifestyle. And, you know, I remember one time I went to the nursery to pick up my son and this woman handed him to, I guess I'm gossiping about her now, but anyway, but this woman handed me my son and she goes, well, he was a terror today. Oh, something, the rage rose up in me like I was so offended. I was so upset. And it was like classic God. He's like, that's how I feel when you get down on my kids. Oh, I was so convicted. I totally got it. I totally got it. And I I repented. I got on my face before the Lord and I just said, God, I see what you're saying. I'm so sorry. And that's when God set me free. So get rid of bitterness, get rid of rage, get rid of anger, harsh words, slander, as well as we're going to cover everything, all types of evil behavior. Remember the, the, what would Jesus do campaign? I mean, I know it seems trite and petty, but really, if you think, if you're saying something or thinking something or watching something that you don't think Jesus would be doing, you might want to change that. And you can do it because with the Lord's authority, he has said, you can do this. You can do this. Here's the good news. Read this with me, please. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The first one, instead. This is saying, instead of all these things, the lying and the stealing and the slandering and the anger and the bitterness and the harsh words and all of this, instead, just be nice to each other. Just be nice. You know, you're not guaranteed tomorrow with someone. Don't justify being rude to someone because you take them for granted. You know, I'm so grateful that I kissed my husband goodbye when he drove off and came back up here. I was still down in Vegas when he went into the ER. I was at a family reunion, and I'm so thankful that I didn't have any unresolved issues with him. I didn't know he was going to die, 
four days later. I had no idea. I'm so glad that we were nice to each other. Be nice to each other. Be kind. Treat each other the way Jesus would treat you. Be kind to each other. Here we go. Be tender-hearted. What does tender-hearted mean? Don't harden your heart to people. Don't close your heart up from people. Don't have a closed spirit. Be open to people. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, love always hopes, always trusts, always perseveres. It says love never fails. Expect the best in each other. Don't assume the worst of one another. Don't assume that someone is doing something because, I don't know, don't, don't ever think you know. Who are you, who are you to judge another man's servant? You know, there have been times throughout the last seven months where I'll walk into a, a coffee shop or a restaurant or something, and, and people don't know my story. They don't know my situation. And I'll tell you, you know, there are times where I'm sure I've done some weird things throughout, throughout this experience, and I'm so glad that people have been kind to me, even without knowing my story. And you don't know other people's story. You don't know why they do the things they do, but be kind. I know this probably sounds so simplistic and so petty, but be kind. And be tender-hearted. Have a soft heart toward people. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill your heart with love so that you can love people and forgive one another just as God, through Christ, or in Christ, or for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. This, this particular verse um, was something that really changed my life. You know, I, I uh, grew up um, pretty bitter and pretty unforgiving, and I could remember everything, any offense that people had done, and I would not let go of anything. And so when I got married, of course, I brought that into my marriage and within the first few years of our marriage, we went to this marriage conference one time, which I recommend if you're married, work on your marriage. Go to conferences, take classes and that kind of thing. But anyway, so we were at this marriage conference and I had so much resentment against Eric. I had so much bitterness built up. And I remember walking into the restroom and just as I opened the door, this scripture came to my mind, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And like my knees buckled under me and I was undone because I realized that I had so much, that I had been forgiven for so much. And yet I was holding these little things against my husband, totally ridiculous little things. And I just, I just got on my face, not in the bathroom, that would have been gross, but when I got home and I went to him and I, and I repented to him and I just asked for forgiveness, I said, I am so sorry I have held you to a higher standard than I myself have been willing to live up to. So it's saying that we can forgive, forgiving each other just as God through Christ, in Christ, and for Christ's sake has forgiven you. It's possible to do it, but you have to, you have to open your heart to the Holy Spirit, to the changing power of the Holy Spirit. You have to open up the Bible and you have to know what the Bible says. And again, you know, I was saying our our vision is about people and I had sent out an email talking about the building, you know, this, this building, um, our lease will be up in June. So we have to start preparing for something. Either, either buying this place, which the owner was very clear and said he was not interested, or moving somewhere else um, in order to continue to do the things that God has called us to do as a church and as individuals. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to deceive you in any way. I'm just, for your own sake, I, I just encourage you, if, if this is your home, if you call this church your family, just want to ask you again, I'm giving sacrificially, and, and I'm asking if you would do the same thing, because we want to reach this valley for Jesus. 
You know, there's a lot of really solid Christian churches, but I'm pretty sure that we still have about 97% of our population that doesn't know Christ yet. So I think that, you know, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. And they don't, unfortunately, they don't let us meet here for free. Sadly, that'd be nice, huh? So I just want to encourage you, you know, start contributing, be generous, give to the to the building fund so that when the Holy Spirit gives us guidance, which, as I've learned, he does not ever feel obligated to do in our timing. Have you ever noticed that? He never feels obligated to tell us too far in advance what he's up to, but he, he has called us to do some really specific things, and so that's why I'm encouraging you now to contribute so that when God calls us to move or to buy this building, we will be prepared Okay, I I say this unapologetically just because I know that, you know, God wants to bless us. Remember, he's good. He wants to bless all of us. Okay, so I just want to say again, I'm so grateful for you guys. This is the church I'd go to if I had a choice, which I don't. But anyway, if you could just welcome Ira up here, I'm going to be back there. So I just love you guys so much. Love you guys. Thank you. Yay. Yeah. Can you hear me? No. Hello? Oh, there I am. So let's stand and we'll close our service. You know, uh, I love that we could put on the new self. Isn't that a great concept? Part of that scripture, uh, the next part of that scripture says, put on the new self which was created to be like God. We don't have to make it. We don't have to construe it. We don't have to force ourselves into something. We don't have the O.J. Simpson glove that has to, you have to force it to fit. You guys don't know what that is. This is made by God for us to walk in. And if you're, some of those things that you heard today, maybe about anger, something about your behavior, something about being generous, maybe. There's so many things that were brought up. Maybe some of those things could make you feel guilty, but I'm encouraging you right now, and Jody did too, that you allow the grace of God to lead you forward in these things. Amen? Amen. There's some people here today that that might not know Christ. They they might not have had this experience of, of God's grace. The amazing grace of God which was provided for us. God's unmerited favor, that's what grace means. Provided for us so that we can have relationship, so that we can take up the new self which was created for us by God. So do you guys want to respond to the Lord? Because whenever we hear the word of the Lord, we want to make sure we respond to what God has to say. Amen? So let's respond to the Lord right now. How many of you right now, there's something that God spoke to you today that, that you just need to say yes to to God? Raise your hand. Good. Amen. Lord, we we lift these hands to you as a response. Lord, you are a great God, a mighty God, and we love you. And we thank you that that we don't force ourselves, we don't white-knuckle it as Christians to become something, but we get to put on something that you've already given us, this new self. And so we release to you these things that we struggle with, Lord. And we ask, God, that you would miraculously move in our lives with forgiveness, with generosity, with all these different areas that are mentioned in the Scripture in Ephesians. We thank you, God. Is there anyone here who, just while our eyes are closed and we're praying, I just want to give you that opportunity to say that, yes, I want to have that experience of relationship with God. I've heard about religion. 
I've heard about trying to make myself good, and neither of those things work. I need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, the unconditional forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I just would ask that you'd raise your hand. Anyone here? Amen. 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 Anyone over on this side? Thank you, Lord. Let's just say this prayer together with those in solidarity who raise their hands wanting to give their lives to the Lord. Let's repeat together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you have died on the cross for my sins. And you have given me a new self that I can walk in. I do not have to worry about judgment. I do not have to worry about being rejected. For I am filled with the love of God because you died on the cross for my sins. I receive your love. I receive forgiveness. And I choose to put on the new self. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, next week, we go into chapter 5. Chase is going to be talking. He's going to be talking about living the life of love. That's what it's all about, you guys. So don't miss it next week. We'll see you then. God bless you.